Amen. It is good to worship with you here today, to worship the same risen Savior of Memphis, Tennessee, and Ripley, Mississippi, and India, and Africa, and everywhere, a, uh, a uh, omnipresent God. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Um, this is the theme psalm of camp this year, and so I would encourage us all this week to read Psalm 34 every day this week as we uh, prepare for camp. And I want to title the message, Walking in the Fear of the Lord. Walking in the Fear of the Lord. We'll, we will look, I'll read the whole psalm, but we'll look mainly at verses 11 through 14 of Psalm 34. The background of this psalm, so King David, as you'll remember, he became sort of a folk hero after he slew that giant, Goliath, over nine feet tall, and he slew him with just a sling and a stone. And after that, again, he became sort of a folk hero. King Saul loved him for a little while until the women started dancing in the streets saying, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And so from that point forward, King Saul became absolutely enraged and would not be satisfied until David was dead. And so from that point forward, David is just one step ahead of death. He's constantly on the run. He's constantly hiding from place to place, trying to hide from King Saul. And so when you get to a place of, I've never been to that place, literally running for my life, but I can anticipate if I was constantly in hiding, running for my life, I would probably do some pretty crazy things. And so what David did in the context of when this psalm is written, he was hiding from Saul and he thought he had the bright idea that he's going to hide in the city of Gath, which is the same city that Goliath, who he killed, was from. And so the king, King Achish of Gath, finds out, his servants find out that David, the one who killed their hero, their champion, is here and they're about to kill David. And so what would you do if you were so absolutely panicked for your life that you don't know what to do. Here's what David did. First Sam, we won't turn there, but it's from 1 Samuel 21. I encourage you to read it. This actually happened. He starts acting like he's an insane man. He starts scratching the walls. And this will be really fun to do at home, kids. He starts letting his spit roll down his face. He, <laughs> don't try that at home. This is what David did in his utter panic, his utter terror for his life. He didn't know what to do. So he just starts acting like an insane man, a deranged man. Well, God used it. And of course, King Achish is like, who is this guy? Get him out of my sight. I don't want any, I don't want to have anything to do with him. And so from that point, David flees to this cave called Adullam, this cave called Adullam. And this is where he writes this psalm in this cave. And in this cave, when he flees to this cave, Many of his family and actually over 400 people who would later become a little his little army, he would become captain of this army, would flee to the cave with him. And so this is where he writes this psalm. I'm going to read the whole psalm. The first part of the psalm is just simply his praise. He is, he is shouting for praise because his life has been spared at least for a little while. And so he's just overcome with thanksgiving and gratitude for God to God for his deliverance. The last part of the psalm and the, the part that I actually want to look at is, is a sermon. 
it's, it's he is instructing his children and those in the cave with him, and of course, instructing you and I today. So let's read Psalm 34. Again, the title of the message, Walking in the Fear of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked into him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing or be in need of any good thing. And here's our text, verses 11 through 14. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I come to you as just a broken vessel, a sinner, but Lord, um, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray that you would speak through me, speak to the congregation, Lord. Bless us to hide your word in our hearts. Bless us to be better equipped to walk in the fear of the Lord. For Jesus' sake and for his glory, amen. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So David has gone from just this oratorio of praise. I mean, he has overcome with thanksgiving and gratitude. And you would be too, and I would be too. If we were, I mean, death was staring us in the face and God uses our spit to save our life. So he's happy. But then he goes from the praise to the preaching. Brother Lewis, I know he's going through the Psalms and I heard his message from a couple years ago on Psalm 34. He called, he broke it down as calling it a song, or a sermon, a song and then a sermon. So the song was the first part and now here's the sermon. So he said, all right, children, listen up, hearken unto me. I have something to tell you. I have a message to give. And here's what he says. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? 
That's the language could be a little bit confusing. The King James language there. What he's saying is, is who over, who here desires to live a good long life? Do you want to live a good prosperous life? Now, this is not the prosperous that you know twelve steps to live a prosperous life and all your wildest dreams will come true. Uh, this is not the Joel Osteen prosperity that he's talking about, but do you desire to live a good, fruitful life walking in the fear of the Lord? This is what you do. Now, I love this. Um, David's own son, Solomon, uses the same language. I'd like to think that David, Solomon, got a lot of what he wrote in the Proverbs from his father, David. And so he talks much. We know the theme of Proverbs is the fear of the Lord. And so this is what David is wanting to teach his children here in this cave. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days? Do you love life? Do you you desire a good life? This is what you do. This is what you do. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. So do you want to walk in the fear of the Lord? And what he means by the fear of the Lord here, I believe is simply just walking in obedience, in reverent obedience following Jesus Christ. You want to walk with God. You want to be obedient in your life to God. This is what you do. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking God. This literally means in verse verse 13, keep your tongue from evil. Keep your speech under control. Watch what comes out of your mouth. I think the, the prayer service that Brother Aaron guided us through um, was just fit right well with what David would teach his family in in the cave and to you and I today. Keep your speech under control. Keep your tongue from evil. The keep there, when he says keep, that's military language. That means to guard. To guard your tongue from evil. And what he means by evil is just all manner of evil. All manner of evil. And there's so much filth in this world today. There's a lot to guard from. There's a lot to, to, be, um, to be keeping our tongue from. Ephesians 4.29, you know this well, Paul tells the Ephesian saints to let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. What that means is that's worthless talk. It's definitely talking about foul language and lewd language. To have a foul mouth should never be the habit of a true Christian. And that's difficult because in the environment we're in, whether it's at work, uh, a context of work or school or whatever it may be, you're going to be around that a lot. So you'll start thinking that. So he's talking about, yes, foul language, lewd language, inappropriate joking and jesting and all of that. But he's also just talking about do you just spend time, does your speech, do you just waste time? In conversation, do you just waste time just talking about nothing? Do we just talk about the weather? There's nothing wrong with the weather, but is that all we talk about? Do we just talk about sports or our favorite car or our favorite place to go shop or our favorite show? Again, in, the, in their place, there's nothing wrong with talking about those things, but is that what we spend all of our time talking about? Keep that tongue from evil. Thy lips from speaking God. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Are we tempted to gossip? Are we tempted to talk about people behind their back? Don't let that happen, is what Paul says in Ephesians and what David 
is saying here in Psalm 34. We cannot talk about the tongue without going to the epistle of James. James chapter 3. James has been called the Proverbs of the New Testament for its practical, um, its practical exhortations. And James has a lot to say about the tongue, keeping our tongue from evil. First off, he says in, in, in James chapter 1, actually in verse 19, he says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's always, that was always my problem growing up, and I constantly have to fight it today. You know, my, my father would say, if you just don't talk so much, then you want to worry about what you say half the time. <laughs> Be swift to hear. But in James chapter 3, I want you to listen and, and let your eyes, as my father would say, let your eyeballs hit the page here. Listen to how James describes the tongue. Listen to this. James chapter 3, verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member. It's little compared to the whole body. It's little and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire. A world, Listen to this. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therefore bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Do we come to church and praise God and sing and lift our voices? And then we go out of the church and start talking bad about people, and cursing men, defaming men. Verse 10, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. So yes, the tongue is powerful. The tongue can destroy. The tongue has destroyed reputations. The tongue has destroyed families and marriages and friendships and churches. Guard your tongue. Keep your tongue from evil in your lips from speaking guile. When we talk about the tongue, I know that James and the epistle of James and David, they didn't know about social media at this point, but I guarantee you the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, know, knew all about social media. So we could also include in the tongue, we can include our fingers. Keep your fingers from typing what's evil. Social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever else is out there. It is a. It can be a cesspool of evil. And we can, we, can, uh, we can enter into that if we're not careful. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Again, Solomon would get most, a lot much of his wisdom from his own father David. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we're talking about the negative of the tongue, but you know what? Our, we can give life. In Ephesians, he says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of what? Edifying, of building up. So are we tearing down with our tongue? Are we using it for evil? Or are we building up with our tongue? Death 
and life are in the power of the tongue. Well, he gets a little more specific, David does, in Psalm 34. Keep your tongue from evil, from all kinds of evil, just evil in general. Guard it, stay away from it. He gets a little more specific. And thy lips from speaking guile. Guile is simply a word for lying, deceiving, hypocrisy. You know, this type of speech, and this is so convicting to me, this type of speech, guile, deceiving, hypocrisy, lying, it's demonic. That's not overstating the case. It is straight from hell. And I'll tell you why I say that. Because this is the speech, this is the main speech that Satan himself uses. What does it say in John 8.44? He's the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. So guile, that's the speech of Satan. It's demonic speech to lie. Genesis 3, verse 1 through, through, uh, through 5. What type of speech does the serpent use to beguile Eve? Hath God said? Matter of fact, let me turn. Let, let's turn to Genesis 3 and get that language just as he speaks it. Genesis chapter 3. Yeah, verse 1. <clears throat> So keep your tongue from all kinds of evil, but specifically from guile. Now the serpent was more subtle. He was more crafty, sneaky than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He's already trying to plant seeds of doubt into her mind. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. He's lying. Bold-faced lying. And he's calling God a liar. Verse 5, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And of course, we know what happens. Wherefore, as by one man, what sin enters to the world, death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all hath sinned because of that sin in the Garden of Eden. And that cunning, lying, deceitful serpent. So keep your lips from speaking the language of Satan himself, guile, deceit. It's an important reminder. I try to remind my try to remind myself of this daily. But my body, your body, including your tongue, your mouth, your brain, everything, it's not actually yours. God gave you your tongue. We are to steward what God has given us. To be a steward means to be a manager, a manager of household affairs. So when we're using our tongue, using our mouth, we're using God's tongue, if I can say it that way. We're using God's mouth that He gave to us. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6? He is giving um, <clears throat> instructions, exhortations to the Corinthian saints to flee fornication, to flee all sorts of sexual uh, sin. And then he says... In uh, let's see, First Corinthians six. I'll go ahead and write, uh, read verse eighteen. Flee fornication. So flee all types of sexual sin. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Then, then here we go in verse nineteen. What 
Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not of your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify your God in your body. Include our mouth in that. Include our tongue in that. Glorify your God. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So when we are speaking, when we are using our mouth each day, let's remember, God, this is your mouth. This is your mouth. So let me be your mouthpiece to edify, to build up, to speak life, not to tear down, not to de- deceive, not to destroy, not to defame. Back to Psalm 34. So, this is how you walk with the Lord, children, here in, in the cave that, that uh, David's talking to. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Do you desire a long life? Do you desire a good life? Do you desire to see many days? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil. Depart from it. Don't have anything to do with it. Do you want to know how to fear the Lord? Proverbs 8 would say, to fear the Lord, or the fear of the Lord, is to hate evil. Have nothing to do with it. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, neither give place to the devil. Don't give Satan an inch with our mouth, with our body, anything. That's how we walk in the fear of the Lord. What does Proverbs say, uh, Solomon say in Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4, he says, I love this first. Let me, let me read um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Solomon says, for I was my father's son. Remember, this is David's son, Solomon. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He, Solomon's talking about David, he taught me also and said unto me, so this is what David is telling Solomon. This is what David is telling the, the people in that cave. And then what the Holy Spirit is telling you and I today. So then now let's skip to Proverbs chapter 4, verse, where is it? Verse 14. Talking about departing from evil. Depart from it. Have nothing to do with it. He says in verse 14 of Proverbs 4, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Listen to these steps. Verse 15, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. That's airtight right there, isn't it? Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. This is counter-cultural. This is counter-cultural because this life, the good life, walking in the fear of the Lord, you will most likely lose friends. You will most likely be shamed, be made fun of possibly, lose out on a promotion. But just remember, when it gets so hard, what does Jesus say about Himself? Or what did the Holy Spirit say about Jesus? When He was reviled, He reviled not again. He knows what what it is to be reviled. He knows what it is to be mocked. He knows what it is to be slandered, to be shamed. 
course, ultimately, we know he knows what it is to be beaten and tortured. So when we live this way, when we live counterculturally, when we live walking in the fear of the Lord, we're living like Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful thought? That's a beautiful thought. Doesn't make it easy at all when it's the grind of Monday morning or Tuesday afternoon and we don't think we can go another step. But remember what Paul says in Romans 12. He says, abhor that which is evil. Detest it. Detest what's evil. And then he says, abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Hold on to it for dear life. Cleave to that which is good. So if that means that you're the only one at the office or the job site or at the hospital or wherever you are at school with a clean mouth, refusing to laugh at the filth, if you refuse to go to a party where you know that sin is going to happen, if you refuse, the only one to refuse to wear a rainbow sticker at work or refuse to fudge numbers at work, even though everybody does it and you won't get caught, everybody does it, but you refuse to do that, remember that you're living like Jesus. You're living like Jesus. Now, thankfully, thankfully, David doesn't just leave us here with the negative. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stay away from there. Stay away. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, he gives us the positive. He gives us the positive side. Here is what you are to pursue, children, in this cave of Adullam and, and here today at Ripley. Depart from evil. Keep your tongue from evil. Your lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Simple, right? We can all go home. Just do good. <laughs> No, it's, it's, it is harder than that. But do what is valuable in estimation. That's, that's the word, the, the, um, what good means. What is valuable? What is valuable? Do we value what God values? Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, tells the Ephesian saints to walk circumspectly. Walk carefully. Walk wisely. Now, as image bearers of God, we all, believer and non-believer alike, know what's right and wrong internally. Romans 1 would tell us that. Even the most wicked, the most outright, the one who is saying, shout your abortion and all of that, they know what's right and what's wrong. As image bearers of God, we've been all been made in the similitude of God or the imago Dei, the image of God. We know what is good and evil. Even those who say they don't believe in absolute truth, when we see a tragedy in Texas or in Buffalo, and those horrible things, everybody's going to say that was evil. So everybody knows what is right and what is wrong. But especially if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, if you are under the constant sound of the gospel weekly, you have access to God's Word. Then you are equipped on how to pursue good or to do good. You know, you've been made for good works. That's what Ephesians 2 says. For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, 
not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship. That word workmanship, it comes from the Greek poema. We are God's poem, His work. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which He hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We have been made for good works. We've been made for good works. But Aaron was talking about that today in the prayer service. And just being a servant, being a servant, whether it's at Camp Mariah or whether it's at the office or on the town, wherever you are, we have been equipped to walk in good works. You know, I said earlier, and it's true, the tongue has so much potential for evil, so much potential for destruction, but it also has a potential for good. You know, Proverbs says, 25.11, I believe, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Now, I don't really know what apples of gold in pictures of silver is, but I know that what he's trying to say is it's beautiful. It's a good thing. It's comely. A word fitly spoken. A word appropriately spoken. Be an encourager. We were um, exhorted to be an encourager. Depart from evil and do good. Colossians chapter 3, I'm not going to expound a whole lot on these, I just want to read this. Colossians chapter 3, we have a list of put off and put ons. And it has the idea of clothes, as if you have nasty clothes that you've been working in all day and they're sweaty and gross, you want to put those off. I remember in college, uh, or maybe in high school, I don't remember, I came home from basketball practice and I just... I mean, probably from age 10 to, sadly, 32, not really that old, but probably from age 10 to like 23, I was just always sweaty, always gross and nasty. And one time I went into my sister Rebecca's room and I'm pretty sure I like, you know, held my armpit up to her face and just doing a good little brother thing. And she said, it is time for a lifestyle change. It is time for you to change, boy. And so (laughs) this is what... This is the idea of putting off nasty clothes, putting off the, the, when he says depart from evil in Colossians 3 verse 8. But now, but now ye also put off all these. This, take these clothes off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing if you have put off the old man with his deeds. So put, put that off. Take those off. Take off the anger, the, the, the wrath, the malice, the lying, the guile. Take that off. But then you don't just stay with no clothes on, right? You put, off, you put on clean clothes. You put on good clothes. You smell good. This is what smells good. These are the good clothes. Verse 10. And, and have put on, Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Um, where, where is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God. This is a trait of the elect. This is a trait of a follower of Christ. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Bowels of mercy. That just simply means tender mercies. Are we full of mercy for others? 
kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, gentleness, long-suffering. Are we willing to, to suffer long with each other? Forbearing one another, bearing up under one another's burdens, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Have we been wronged so to the point where we could not forgive? Just food for thought here in Colossians 3. Look at what we are to compare that to. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you. Does anybody in here deserve Christ's forgiveness? The answer is no. You know, my kids are all about what's fair. That's not fair. He got to do that. She got to do that. That's not fair. You know, I told him one time, I said, you know what? If God was fair with us, we would all be justly condemned to hell. But thank God He showed mercy and Jesus Christ bore up under the wrath of God, bore up under our sins and took our sins and forgave us from our sins, for our sins, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. So depart from evil and do good. Well, he gets a little more specific back in Psalm 34. So depart from evil. Do those good things. Put on those good clothes that we read about in Colossians chapter 3. Be forgiving. Be humble. But then he gets a little more specific. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace. Shalom. It has the idea of, yes, that inner rest in your soul, but it also has an idea of being complete or sound. You know, David, no doubt, maybe even while he's still writing this psalm, you know he had bouts of horrible anxiety and depression. This is a man who lived a long part of his life from hiding place to hiding place, from cave to cave. In the Psalms, it says that he would rocks would be his pillow. And matter of fact, some commentators think that why David uses the, the rock language a lot in the Psalms is because he was so familiar with them. He lived in rocks. This is a man that, that there were times in, in the Psalms, if you read it, he said, look, I, I can't even eat because I'm so, I haven't eaten and drink and I, I can't sleep. This is a man who knew what it was to have anxiety, to not be complete, to not have peace. But he says here, seek peace and pursue it. And that word pursue, I love that word pursue. That word pursue is not, oh man, I really wanted to, I can't find the shirt that I wanted to wear today, but I got five other shirts, so I'll just pick one. No, this is the idea of, I don't know where my keys are for what's well, really bigger than that, but I've got to go to work in five minutes and I don't know where my keys are. Like you don't have an option not to find your keys. We've got to figure out a way to find your keys so you don't get fired. This is something that we are pursuing and not taking no for an answer. Seek peace and pursue it. Well, that's easy. How do I do that? 
One of my favorite verses, this is actually my parents, this is their um, verse that they chose for their theme verse of their marriage. And it's in Isaiah 26.3. This is how you seek peace. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Did you know that the word perfect and peace are actually the same there in the Hebrew? Thou wilt keep him in peace, peace. And so what the Bible does, you know how if we want to emphasize something, we put exclamation points. What Scripture does when they, when, when they want to um, emphasize something is they repeat it. And so he is repeating, he is emphasizing, this is how you find peace. And it's by staying your mind on Jesus Christ, on Jehovah. That has the idea that stay is leaning on bracing yourself on like if you're injured and you can't move and you got to brace yourself on somebody else's shoulder brace yourself on Jesus Christ be under the constant sound the yes the constant sound of the gospel week in and week out feed from God's word you know my father I may have said this before but this has always stuck with me my father says often you know if you just ate three times a week, you would starve eventually. You cannot survive just eating food three, three days a week. What's well, the same with God's Word, with our spiritual life. We cannot survive if all we're getting is just being at church, but during the week, we don't have time to feed on God's Word and prayer and the spiritual disciplines. we got to eat daily. Eat daily. That's how you seek peace. Well, this also, in Psalm 34, this also has the idea seeking peace, pursuing peace. It also has the idea of living peaceably with those around us. Ooh, that can be difficult, can't it? That can be really difficult because we're all sinners. We've all offended each other at one point or another, especially if we've lived together. But you know what? Um, Romans, Paul says in Romans, as much as possible, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, as much as possible, live peaceably with all men. Uh, an old commentator, Matthew Poole, says about, says about seeking peace. He says, study by all means possible to live peaceably and quietly with all men, avoiding grudges, debates, dissensions, strifes, and enmities. This is how you walk in the fear of the Lord. You know how we could be countercultural? You know a, a great way to be a witness for Christ today is to not enter in into dissension, not enter in into the debates, the Facebook debates or the Twitter wars. Now, I'm not saying don't stand for what's right. There is obviously a place to stand for what's right. And we will eventually, if, if we keep standing for truth, we'll most absolutely get into some sort of, of debate or argument. But as much as possible is what the text says in Romans. As much as possible. Don't be an instigator. Don't be an instigator for animosity, for, for arguing. Pursue peace. Ephesians 4 when Paul says, 
talking about the worthy walk, the Christian's walk. He says, I therefore, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, or the calling wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That word endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace has the idea of making every effort to live in unity with the body of Christ. I remember again, Brother Louis Sacron at, a, at Grace Chapel one time, so he probably said it here too. He said, strive to the point of exhaustion to live in unity with the body of Christ. Strive to the point of exhaustion. Psalm 133, the psalmist says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Well, we are to strive for peace, to live peaceably with fellow believers in this context of the body of Christ. We also need to live as much as possible peaceably with those not necessarily in the body of Christ. You know, one of the qualifications I've been, as I've been training in the ministry, I've been trying to study the qualifications of a minister and, and specifically in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And one of the qualifications of a minister, and this is also, this is not to just be for a minister, this is to be for a, someone who may not necessarily be called to preach either, but, but just a Christian. In 1 Timothy 3 verses, uh, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 7, he says, moreover, talking about the, the elder, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. What they mean by without is just simply those not in the body of Christ. Those maybe not in the context of the local church, or they might not believe in Jesus Christ at all. He is to have a good report or a good reputation of those outside the body of Christ. Seek peace. Yes, seek that inner peace that's only found in staying our mind on Jehovah, on Jesus Christ. But also, as much as possible, seek to be peaceable with those around us. We sang the Beatitudes today. What does he say? Do you ever ask yourself, how do I know if I'm a child of God? Well, one way, what Jesus tells us in Matthew he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We, we sang about it. Blessed are they who make peace, breaking down the walls of strife, working to, to unite their brothers. They are called the sons of God. So in closing. Okay, so David, you've told us how to walk in the fear of the Lord. You've told us to keep our tongue from evil, from all kinds of evil. You've told us to keep our lips from speaking guile. So specifically, don't speak the language of Satan, of lying. Depart from evil. Do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Put on the clothes that Paul told us about in Colossians chapter 3. But maybe you're here and you're thinking, I try, I try, and it seems like I fail daily. I'm always in some sort of sinning with my tongue. 
or, or just with my body or, or, or my heart. And I'm scared of what people will say. I don't want to be countercultural. I, I want to please people. I want, and again, I want you to, to read Psalm 34 every day this week. It'll take you five minutes or less. But spend more than five minutes if you can on it and meditate on it. Psalm 34, there are so many promises found to those who do fear God, to those who are walking in obedience to God. And I just want to, as we close, encourage you as you walk in the fear of the Lord with some of these. Psalm 34, verse 4. Remember, this is a man who is in a cave fearing for his life. He says, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. You know, I can hear your, your cry. I want, I, w- I want to hear and I want to be a shoulder and a listening ear for those who are going through trouble. But you know, there's only so far I can go. I may can give you a little financial assistance. I may can give you some encouragement. But listen to what David says about God. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. There is deliverance in Jesus Christ. Verse verse, uh, 6. This poor man cried. I'm a poor man. I I live in rocks. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him, not just heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Isn't it comforting to know, believer, in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ sets up camp around you? He sets up camp around you. He is going to take care of you. Oh, I want you to feel security today in Jesus Christ. Let me just read a few more. Verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, ye His saints, for there is no want to them that fear Him. Meaning you will not lack what you need as you walk in the fear of the Lord. So I want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you to look to the greater David, ultimately, to the Prince of Peace, to the one who purchased your peace with his own body on the tree, And I want to encourage you in order to truly walk in the fear of the Lord and to walk in peace, then pursue Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord, thank You for Your promises found in Psalm 34. I pray that You would bless us to walk in the fear of the Lord, to walk in the fear of You, to walk with You. Bless us to pursue peace. Bless us to hide your word in our hearts. And Lord, I pray as we go throughout this week and prepare for camp and beyond. Lord, I pray that you would just move in our hearts in a powerful way for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.